Welcome to the Universal Unitari Unitarian Universalist Church of Ghent. <laughs> Broken my vows a thousand times. <laughs> we gather as a forgiving, inclusive, spiritual community that seeks to inspire love, work for justice, and grow in community. Whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you come from, we welcome you. Whomever you love, we welcome you. May this be a house where you can bring your whole self. As we gather as a community of memory and hope, we light a flame within a chalice. It's a symbol of sanctuary and safety. It unites us in our time together. It's a sign of life's beauty and wonder, and it reminds of us our ongoing search for the light of truth within us and among us. And our chalice lighter this morning is Paxton. So would you join me in the chalice lighting words with the response we light this chalice? With gratitude as we honor our past, remembering with love the leaders, members, and friends of this congregation on whose legacy we now build, we light this chalice with trust in one another, to honor our present, our mission to inspire love, seek justice, and grow in community, we light this chalice, with hope for the future, to honor and hold before us a vision of the world made fair and all its people one, a world where there is peace and justice, a time when all will dwell together in the beloved community, we light this chalice. Thank you. 
Technology has finally caught up with my ineptitude and has allowed me to enter my second childhood of curiosity. It goes like this. Alexa, how many bird species live in Ohio? What's the national dish of Taipei? Please define humanism. Sometimes I get, hmm, I'm not sure. So then I go to Google. The four characteristics of humanism are curiosity, a free mind, belief in good taste, and belief in the human race, E.M. Forster. Alexa, tell me more about E.M. Forster. In the nine life cycle of feline enlightenment, I think I'm on number three. As an animal lover and a cat dad, I've always had issues with that old adage, curiosity killed the cat. And if it's true, then that cat died nobly. But there are many cautionary tales that warn against the pitfalls of a curious life. Aside from dead cats, there's don't eat from that tree, Eve. Don't look back, Lot's wife. That book of Genesis, <laughs> stay in your lane. <laughs> but what now? Oh yes, back to my second childhood of curiosity. What, which harkens to the curiosity of my first childhood. The cry of the young and the curious. Are we there yet? In our car, the answer was never no. It was usually not yet, and sometimes soon. I love soon. Soon satisfies my curiosity and provides anticipation at the same time. That sense of wonder. Curiosity may have killed the cat, but satisfaction brought her back to life. Alexa, what's a great quote about curiosity? Dorothy Parker said, the cure for boredom is curiosity. There is no cure for curiosity. <laughs> Thank you, Alexa. I am satisfied. <laughs> for now. We are the free church. We are not bound by creed, doctrine, or dogma. But in the absence of those things, we need something that holds us together. That something is covenant. The promises we make and remake to one another as we have a vision of the lives we seek to lead. In that spirit, we speak words once again that remind us of this vision. Would you join me in the congregational covenant? We affirm that each life has brilliance and when joined with others in joyful community has the power to transform. We pledge ourselves and our resources to this journey. This covenant inspires and challenges us to dwell together in right relationship. We promise to extend hospitality, nurture community for all ages, encourage spiritual growth, honor diversity, and practice kindness. There once was a vast city on the African savanna known as the Great Burrow. Well, it actually wasn't big by human standards and it really wasn't so much a city as a vast network of tunnels dug into the dirt. But for the creatures who lived there, it was most definitely a city, the biggest, most beautiful city in all the world. The creatures who lived there were meerkats, which are weaselly looking creatures with twitchy little noses. Meerkats lived together in giant families, and the meerkats who lived in the great burrow were the biggest family in all of Africa. 
Life was good for the meerkats of the great burrow, except for one big problem. Every spring, the wide river a few miles away rose higher and higher with the rains until it overflowed. And the flooding, it flooded the surrounded plains and the great burrow. During these floods, meerkats were lost. It's hard to live this way, but the spring floods were all they had ever known. And it never occurred to them that they might be able to do something about it until Max the meerkat entered the picture. You see, Max had just been elected the MIC, meerkat in charge. He wasn't the biggest or strongest or fiercest meerkat in town. In fact, he was kind of scrawny. But he was clever, and he was good, and he beat out all the usual suspects by listening to voters and promising to try to figure out a way to protect the city from the Great Flood. Days turned into weeks, and weeks turned into months, and everything was going great. All the meerkats thought Max was an excellent MIC, but the spring rains were coming, and they needed a plan, and that's when it came to Max in a dream. Whoa, I've got it. We'll dig trenches to divert the floodwaters. The river's overflow will pour into the trenches and around the great burrow instead of pouring into it. Max was so excited, and he ran to tell all the meerkats about his plan. Hey, guys, we don't have a lot of time before the rain comes. We've got a lot of digging to do. So I'll see all of you out there on Monday morning, bright and early, twitchy noses and white faces and all that stuff, Right? Ready to help? The meerkats didn't really feel like working that hard. (laughs) I gotta check my schedule, said one. Yeah, sure, I might have an hour to spare, said another one. But my show comes on. I have to be there to watch it. Monday morning came and Max got up early and headed to the work site. Nobody came to help. As the rains began to pour, Max went back to the burrow to find meerkats playing video games, watching TV, and eating snacks. And you guessed it, the river began to rise, and the meerkats realized how much trouble they were really in. Scared, they looked to Max, what do we do? We elected you to save us. What? Listen, you elected me MIC, but I'm just an ordinary cat like the rest of you. I have lots of ideas. Plans, but I can't make them come true without your help. It's not too late. There's still time to save the great borough, so we have to work together. We have to believe we can do this. So, can we do this? Yes, we can! Yes, we can! The meerkats all shouted back in unison, and they went on to work for two straight days and finished the trenches just in time. The floodwaters poured into them and away from the the burrow, and everyone was saved. And things were different after that. Meerkats still went to Max for advice, but they didn't wait for him to take care of everything all by himself. He would listen to their ideas and plans and say, What a great idea. How can I help you with that? And the very last thing he would say to his friends as they left to go build a new school or a clinic was... Can we do this? And the reply always came, Yes, we can! Let's enter into the spirit of prayer and reflection. Spirit of life and love, God of our understanding, 
you in which we share and find strength and common purpose. We turn our minds and hearts toward one another as we hold in the circle of care and concern all who need our love and support, those we've named in this time of remembrance, those who are in our hearts and thoughts, all who are ill, who are in pain, either in body or in spirit, those who struggle with addiction, those who are lonely, those who grieve, the victims of any kind of abuse. We pray for them. We pray for ourselves, too, that we would be grateful for the many blessings we receive each and every day and use our blessings with joy, generosity, and kindness. Help us, we ask, to live fully this life we've been given, to treat each and every moment as a rare and precious treasure, to worship what is of true worth, to practice radical hospitality, welcoming the stranger among us, to speak the truth as we know it, and to join in the struggle for justice and peace in the world. Help us to remain connected with the heartbeat of life itself, to find wonder and awe in both the struggle and the beauty of life, to remember that we are connected in mystery and a miracle to one another and all of creation, to care for this fragile planet and work for the well-being of every creature, to affirm life, and to walk upon this earth together in gentleness and reverence. May it be so, and amen.
first reading. If your congregation defines its purpose as being a religious or spiritual community, it is time to think bigger. Religious communities are wonderful for the people who belong to them. But in today's religious climate, many others are not interested in religious communities that exist just for the sake of existing. They think such groups are self-serving and obsolete. If the main work of a church is to just to survive, to uphold the tradition, or to keep alive a beautiful old landmark building, there's not enough reason to join. Being a community is thinking small. Our ultimate goals and purpose cannot simply be about ourselves. Unitarian Universalists, like members of every other religion, are trying to change the world by encouraging people to live a different way. By word and by deed, Unitarian Universalists are trying to change people. It is time for us to acknowledge and proclaim this and to see that building a religious community is building a means to that larger end. Liberal religion has a purpose, and it is bigger than we think, and certainly bigger than gathering with like-minded people for mutual support. We aim to change the world by creating a human culture that sustains all people, not just in here, in our congregations, but out there too. It happens when individuals make the decision to develop the habits of liberalism, when they develop liberal characters. Transforming the culture is a matter of turning our congregation inside out. We are already trying to promote liberal characters within our congregations for each and us, for each and every one of us, and for our children. What if we thought of our community as not just the people who gather with us this Sunday morning, but all their friends, too, and all their friends, friends and everyone who follows them on Twitter? What would we say to them? We would say, you matter. You are a child of God, and you have a right to be here, to be yourself, to think for yourself. Listen for the truth and speak it, too. Respect yourself and treat others with the same respect. Open yourself to the new and the unknown. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be thankful for all you have received and share it joyfully. Sing. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Second reading. In what first hardly noticed moment in which you wake... There is a small opening into the day which closes the moment you begin your plans. What you can plan is too small for you to live. What you can live wholeheartedly will make plans enough for the vitality hidden in your sleep. To be human is to, be, is to become visible while carrying what is hidden as a gift to others. To remember the other world in this world is to live your true inheritance. Now, looking through the slanting light of the morning window towards the mountain presence of everything that can be, what urgency calls you to live your love? What shape waits in the seed for you to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? Is it waiting in the fertile sea? 
in the trees beyond the house, in the life you can imagine for yourself? Every religion has its sacred texts. Judaism has a Torah. Islam has the Quran. Christianity has the Bible. Unitarian Universalism has Robert's Rules of Order and the annual report. (laughs) Some Unitarian Universalists also think that life after death is one big annual congregational meeting, but they're not sure whether the meeting's in heaven or in hell. At 11.30 this morning, we will gather to have our annual congregational meeting. During this meeting, we will practice congregational polity, which means we make our own decisions about how we govern ourselves. What's so fascinating about this process is that we continue a practice that dates back to the earliest days of America. In 1637, the Puritan settlers in the town of Dedham, Massachusetts, wanted to start a church. These were people who had fled England because they found the structure of the Anglican church which dictated every aspect of local church affairs oppressive. As the Puritans in Dedham began to farm the land and build a town together, they held a year-long series of cottage meetings to get to know each other and to answer the religious call of their hearts. They talked together about the future and building the shining city on a hill, the New Jerusalem, and the idea of a free church took shape among them, a church whose individual congregations were not controlled by an outside authority. It was a radical new model of church lay led by people who gathered in the spirit of mutual consent and love, held together by covenant and governed by the congregation itself. In 1648, this new model of gathering and governing a church, which is congregationalism, was described in a document now commonly known as the Cambridge Platform. In the early 1800s, as the Enlightenment took hold and scholarship brought new interpretations of the Bible and ideas about faith and salvation, the Congregationalists split. They divided into the conservative Calvinists and the more liberal Arminians who even questioned the divinity of Jesus. The liberal part of the church became the Unitarians who kept the Congregationalist practice of congregational governance. Today, over 375 years since the Puritans first met to create a new model of church, we still practice this form of democratic governance in our congregations. Governing ourselves is such an important part of our liberal tradition that it is enshrined in our seven principles as principle number five, the use of the democratic process within our congregations and in society at large. And this morning, as our Puritan and Unitarian ancestors did, we will gather to approve a budget, elect officers, to affirm what we've done together this past year, and to hold before ourselves a vision of who we might yet be. I hope you've each taken time to read the annual report. It is a testimony to the many wonderful things we've achieved this first year of our partnership. I want to share a few highlights. Our theme for the year was opening our doors. Many times we sang Hal's powerful words, whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you come from, we welcome you. Whomever you love, we welcome you. Words that capture our commitment to offer one another and our visitors radical hospitality and a safe, sacred space where we can be our authentic selves. 
Together we practice shared ministry, each of us offering our gifts, our wisdom, talents, skills, and resources so that this community continues to be a place where we can grow spiritually through both giving and receiving these gifts and doing the work of transforming our world. This is the congregation that takes care of one another. And I witnessed that care happening in so many different ways, both large and small, as we each experienced life joys and sorrows and continued our shared journey. As our moderator Danny Beal said in the annual report, this community is capable of incredible love, support, and witness. We rally around those who need help. We bring vegan casseroles and flowers and paintbrushes, and we extend loving, sustaining grace. You are also a generous congregation. As financial needs arose through the year, including the racial justice workshop, the floor repairs downstairs, flowers for holidays, our monthly special collections for agencies and organizations in the community that serve others, our annual pledge drive, you answered that call time and time again. Thank you. Our board of trustees worked this year to govern thoughtfully crafting policies and making decisions, always holding before them our mission and our vision as they made decisions. As we gathered in this space each week, the wonderful music led by Hal, the creativity and playfulness of Colleen, the leadership and skills of our worship associates, the voices of many of you, including our children and youth, during holiday celebrations, testimonials, and the all-ages service each month, enriched our worship as we celebrated together reflected on life's big questions, and affirmed our shared humanity. You're also a people who like to have fun together and enjoy each other's company. Camping trips, shared meals, holiday events and parties, auction dinners, lots of good food, even dancing together. It's been fun to be part of that as I've gotten to know you this first year. We had our challenges and disappointments this year too, in particular the new social hall. We made some progress, but I share your frustration that the process continues with no clear date to begin construction and building costs that currently exceed our funds. The way forward is not clear, but we will continue to work faithfully in order to meet our vision of restoring and expanding our spaces to equal the energy of our dreams so that we are better equipped to carry on our historic legacy and embrace our potential for connection service, programming, and outreach. As we celebrate our achievements and make decisions today about our life and work together, I want to challenge us to not only continue working toward our vision, but to expand it. This is a time of great change and opportunity for spiritual communities. There was a time when the church played a much larger role in people's lives and was an important, visible institution in the larger community. Today, the church is affected by a rapidly changing world where many institutions, including the church, are losing their presence and their power. Although our denomination has been growing at a modest pace while other denominations are shrinking, if we want to be a vibrant, relevant religious community in the 21st century to live up to the potential of Unitarian Universalism and to widen our circle for those yet who don't know we exist, people who want community but don't want to be part of organized religion, they're referred to as nuns, not the ladies in black and white, but N-O-N-E-S, no religious affiliation. And 
We want to be known to the estimated and engaged, the estimated half million people who align with our values and describe themselves as you use but are not part of a congregation. It is critical that we adapt, be open to change and new ways of doing church, and dream boldly about what we can do together. In the first reading, Tom Shade writes, if your congregation defines its purpose as being a religious or spiritual community, it's time to think bigger. Being a community is thinking small. Our ultimate goals and purpose cannot simply be about ourselves. He goes on that, to say liberal religion has a purpose, and it is bigger than we think, and certainly bigger than gathering with like-minded people for mutual support. We aim to change the world by creating a humane culture that sustains all people. Our theme for this coming year is here we grow. Growth doesn't just refer to numbers. It also means building this community by creating and refining our organizational structures so that we have a governance system and processes in place that provide a dependable way of doing church together, growing spiritually and deepening our faith and helping each other do that, discovering more ways to serve each other in the world, deepening our connections with and our commitments to the larger UU faith. The goal of all these different ways of growth is to become the people and the church our world so desperately needs, a people alive and vibrant, a church who has clarity about what it is and what it is called to do, a people and a church who, as Unitarian theologian James Luther Adams once said, are not pushed around by history, but are actively shaping it. In the second reading, poet David White says, now looking through the slanting light of the morning window toward the mountain presence of everything that can be, what urgency calls you to your one love? What beckons you to discover whether deep passion in your heart intersects with the deep needs of the world? As we discover how each of us is called to serve one another in the world, we can also shape our future by asking, what is waiting in the heart of this congregation to grow and spread its branches against a future sky? And as the Puritans asked, who shall we be together? I want to share a possibility written by former UUA president Peter Morales. Imagine people saying, yay, here come the Unitarian Universalists. <laughs> They're the people who show up. They use social media in rich and flexible ways to help me stay connected. They offer a variety of opportunities for social justice witness, activism and volunteering, and their ability to accommodate individuals, small interest groups, local and regional groups, and larger national groups makes them flexible, nimble, and able to help me engage. A year ago, as you convened your congregational meeting after my second candidating sermon, and you decided that I would be your MIC, your meerkat in charge. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> I said to you, today is an invitation to say yes to life as it calls us on toward the good that is yet to be as we minister to one another and the world together in the years to come. I am confident in our shared creativity and vision, our imagination and our faith, our energy and our abundance. And then I asked you, are you ready to say yes as life calls us toward a future that is ours to dream and to create together? 
Well, almost a year later, I am even more confident in our shared creativity and vision, our imagination and our faith, our energy and abundance. So I ask you once again, are you willing to once again say yes as life calls us to continue to be, as Rebecca Parker says, a community of people who seek to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with the Spirit, and who call on the strength of soul force to heal, transform, and bless life? Are you willing once again? Yes. Yes, yes we can. <laughs> Thank you. May it be so. And together in the spirit of the love that embraces us, sustains us, and calls us on in hope and faith, it is together we will make it so. Amen. Let's enter a few moments of reflection. My colleague, Brandick Lovely, wrote, let there be an offering to sustain and strengthen this place which is sacred to so many of us, a community of memory and hope, for we are now the keepers of the dream. The dream of this congregation, the UU Church of Kent, is to be a community of inclusion, a beacon of love and hope, a house for seeking and sharing truth, a home for art and music, a hearthstone of friendship and human dignity. This dream thrives because each of you so generously gives of your time, your talents and gifts, and your financial resources. Thank you. Now, as keepers of the dream, we give and receive the offering as a sign of our shared commitment to the life and work of this congregation and beyond. Will the ushers please come forward to receive the offering?
These are the words of the Reverend Judith Meyer. This is what we do with our faith. Live in this world knowing that ultimately we will lose each other, loving despite the hard bargain it asks of us. Do what we can to make the world a place where this truth can be safely lived, measuring our faith by the difference we have made. Build faith communities to continue after we are gone, where we are remembered by lives of good work and care, worlds we have made so that others might live. Now blessed by this time together and guided by our vision to be a community of people who seek to do justice, love kindness, and transform and heal and bless our world, let us go forth in joy and in hope to continue inspiring love, seeking justice, and growing in community. May it be so. Blessed be, and amen.